0: Welcome to The Big Deal, where we unlock the details and drama behind the business of sport in Australia and around the world. Join me, Warren Tredray, along with Andrew Montesi and our expert guests as we take you into the boardroom for behind-the-scenes access and analysis of contracts, negotiations, endorsements and much more. Subscribe to our show on your favourite podcast player and don't forget to sign up too at www.thebigdeal.au for a weekly wrap of the latest deals, breaking news and many more exclusive opportunities.
1: Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Big Deal. I'm Jack Hudson and join me as always, AFL legend Warren Tredray. Treders, how are you mate?
2: And I'm Warren Tredray. How are you mate? <laughs> Jesus. I think you
1: changed up the intro a bit.
2: Oh, exactly, exactly. It's a massive, um, there seems to be hot water everywhere, doesn't there? And it starts at Collingwood. What an amazing uh, turn of events. They uh, move on their netball team uh, last year with a license. Obviously, it wasn't, um, what do you say, washing its own back in terms of finances. They decided to give up the license. I think Craig Hutchison's um, uh, picked up the license. Um, So the Collingwood netball team's no longer, but... They've caught a the fair bit of heat in the social media space, Hutto, and this is all off the back of um, the Collingwood facilities, um, effectively ripping up a uh, netball court yep. training facility in there and uh, putting down the fake turf so the uh, Collingwood players via Jeremy Howe can show you on social media exactly uh, the changes that have happened in the offseason from the AFL pre- premiers.
1: Yeah, one of the more tone-deaf things that you've seen, actually, these days. But, yeah, so what used to be the club's netball base has obviously just been covered up. The seats, you can see, you've got black tarps all over the back of them. So it's like, geez. But, yeah, the club's headquarters obviously funded in part by a $15 million federal government infrastructure grant, which is intended for improved facilities for women's sports teams, which obviously Collingwood still do have their women's footy sides, both um, VFLW and AFLW. But, yeah, the Super Netball team got out the back door because they will Losing a mill a year, and but Collingwood as a whole made seven and a half mil profit. So, yeah, it's a bit of an interesting one, but yeah, no, it was very tone deaf and just social media just smacked them.
2: Yeah, what's amazing is that you're looking generally from inside a club, you know, whether or inside an organization, you're looking from oh, how this story can play out, but then sometimes there isn't much thought about hey, there's people who actually aren't interested in AFL or AFLW, men and women's footy. There's other people who would be disappointed from the Collingwood netball licence going. So then people are saying, well, you should have to pay back the money. Well, I'm not sure it's anywhere near that. But the reality is this is, um, these are situations that often a lot of clubs are going to face. Um, obviously, big money offered for infrastructure, clearly a tough decision for them to make it. It really doesn't follow through. They just wanted to focus on their core business. Um, but when you report, as you say, you report a $7.5 million profit, um and let's face it, there was a, there was an area where Collingwood went to, like a lot of uh, different organisations. You only going to look at Barcelona overseas With financially, that's not great, Real Madrid, they, they have multiple teams. You know, They not only have soccer teams, both um, male and female, but or football teams, as you say over there, um, they also have basketball teams, male and female. So that was the model that a lot of people were pursuing, and if there was one team that was going to pursue it and comfortably, it was Collingwood. But obviously, they've made a decision with the, the new uh, CEO, Craig Kelly, coming in. Uh, Jeff Brown, the uh, new president, uh, a new era under, you know, um, from a football perspective under Craig McRae, A lot has changed since the Nathan Buckley, Eddie Maguire, uh, Gary Pertz uh, sort of era, if you know what I mean. Uh, Even though Gary Pertz has been at Melbourne for quite some time. But, you know, obviously with the changing of the figureheads is the changing of the decision making. And uh, this one was probably got backlash to a stage that the uh, Collingwood. Uh, social media accounts were were blocking comments you know when that happens then uh, clearly it hasn't been taken well
1: yeah i think the way they handled it probably wasn't the best part either you're blocking accounts like obviously like they've left it up but the elephant in the room still very much wasn't addressed but to block people was a bit yeah a bit extreme especially from a professional sporting account
2: yeah i know i guess probably the other thing would do with you know even if you put out a statement whether that statement is going to be taken and and a lot a lot of Sometimes the best way of handling media is to go quiet and don't give it any more oxygen. Um, Mm. Yeah, Obviously, behind the scenes, Collingwood, we had multiple discussions on this, but what was seen as a pretty innocent update, this is what's happening around the club and this is what we've done. Um, Some people have taken it for what it is. Uh, And in their minds, they think it's a big issue.
1: 100%. And speaking of uh, boards and stuff, well, the Port Adelaide board, obviously your centre of everything that's going on with this. So um, last night, the emails were sent out to the Port Adelaide members about the information for voting um, and also information shared that Kathy Nagel, the incumbent, has um, removed herself from the um, process. So it's just down to yourself and Bruce Abernathy. But, yeah, so how do you feel with that? All everything coming out? It all comes out Friday that you can vote. How it feel for you, Traders?
2: Well the reason we're talking about it is you're a member and you've obviously been tipped <laughs> off to it so uh, yep. I, I don't yeah well I would love to have been in a situation where no one just talks but obviously uh, Bruce has been doing a bit of campaigning and the media's got some interest to to to, to put this against us me versus him well, we actually get on really well we've you know obviously in the past life work he worked for 7 I worked for 9 gone to functions together we've had a lot of uh, discussions over the journey um But, yeah, the reality is there's only one position and two of us are up now. Uh, I saw Kathy Nagel's release last night. I did see a story about Seven where she's the CEO of um, the Western Community Hospital. So I think that's the reason why she stepped down. Um, And obviously board time takes a fair bit of time. So, um, yeah, I think she'd been a three-year term or two-year term. So I was seeking re-election until last night. The only reason I knew about it was uh, I got an email as an update for the board process. But for me, it doesn't you know, it changes a little bit, but it's stuff out of my control for me. It's all about stepping up and helping my club. You know, there's been a bit of a kickback to say I'm going to blow up my club. Well, that's just mm. totally not true and unfounded. As a board's role, your role is governance. You know, clearly if I'm voted on, I'd probably sit on their footy committee. You sit about long-term strategies and all that. And and I've got time and space in my life to do it. And as you say, it's an unpaid role. So, um, you yeah, know, for me, 20 years this year is the... Uh, 2004 Premiership Reunion. It's been too long. The club's got close. If I can help, offer some expertise. I so was a loyal player from Day Dot um, on Port Adelaide. I want to help out. And this is an opportunity, hopefully, the the, um, the members see fit. And if they don't, they don't. It'll be what it'll be. So there's a vote to happen in a two-week window starting Friday. And to be honest, once that happens, it'll be uh, no more talking about it for a while. And, and if I am successful, then obviously... Um, you know, confidentiality in, in your role is is part of a... It's a must when you're yeah. in, a, in a board situation and I won't, you know, put in the cart before the, the horse a little bit here is, you know, there's figureheads David and obviously the, the CEO, Matthew Richardson, who'll be the speakers on behalf of the club and, um, yeah, it'll go forward from there.
1: Yep. easy. Have you had conversations with both David and Richo at all?
2: Oh, I've had some chats with Richo, but that was more about updating the process because when you step into this me not going through it before, you know, first time I've nominated, um, is there's a process that you have to sort of uh, go through and abide by. But obviously it's changed a bit with Cathy um, stepping out of the process. It's, you know, what was once no campaigning, which I sort of abided by has turned into, yeah, if, if media outlets want to interview both of you, then there's no problem with that because obviously both Bruce and I probably have our different thoughts on on what we think we can bring.
1: We'll move on to the Australian Open. Um, Good. Thanks. <laughs> thought you'd enjoy that. Alex Dimenor, obviously, um, his bid was left in tatters. Um, he was absolutely gutted, but it was good news for the uh, the network. Um, 1.15 million viewers as the last Aussie in the singles draw, so not bad.
2: Yeah, this is um, this is really interesting. 1.15 is a good um, draw card. And We've spoken on this podcast before about how um, there was a well-known Australian who's now maybe commentating. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick Kiros, who wasn't part of the draw this year, but when you know he and Kokonakis Cocken, uh, did really well a couple of years ago in the doubles, it, the ratings were huge. So, mm-hmm. obviously, Australians love an Aussie, you know, like who had always rated really highly. Um, Sam Stoza did really well. Um, God, who's the other Aussies over the journey? Uh, Paddy Cash, many years ago. Um, yeah, so yeah, there's a situation where if any Aussies and there are doing well, we'd love to get behind the Aussies. So um, yeah. you know, the broadcast rights locally with nine would be really happy that um he drew a really good number. But then it comes back to the big names in Djokovic. Federal is always huge and um they do jostle for positions with the schedule as to who gets through. So it is an interesting dynamic because we are seeing a new element of superstar takeover with Alcaraz and Cinera and the like, but we've still got Djokovic who's sort of been there, what, twenty years now, maybe? Yeah. I don't know, even that long. So um, obviously the the ratings bring the sponsors and the sponsors bring the revenue and the fans bring the revenue too from simple um, bums on seats and also adding into the atmosphere so it's a great um, it's a great tournament um, even if it does mean that um, an Australian staple in Vegemite is being shat on in a public sphere.
1: I wonder, how, wonder what this is going to do for Vegemite sales internationally if you can actually get it just to have a taste of it because yeah, Morgan Riddle, the partner of Taylor Fritz, had declared she would eat an entire jar of Vegemite if he were to beat his next opponent, which was um, Stefanos um, Sitspass.
2: Yeah, well, <laughs> and she didn't follow through because she had a mouthful and then looked like she was going to vomit. But yeah, you know, <laughs> it is polarizing Vegemite. Well, I think maybe why we like it is we were ran Vegemite on toast was rammed down our throats yes. probably for 15 years as a kid or 10 <laughs> years as a kid. So, um, but yeah, some Americans love it, some don't. Um, but, yeah, it's certainly been a staple in this house for many years. But it was good PR. And as they say, um, not many Americans might not know about it because if you're in America, they very very rarely look outside of uh, America. So yeah. anyone who's watching is going, oh, what is this stuff? Oh, let's have a look at this stuff and see what it tastes like. And, and some will love it. And, you know, what? in this case, some not so much. So as they say, there's no, no thing as bad publicity.
1: Yeah, there was a video of some of the WWE wrestlers coming over and trying it. But they were trying it on crackers. Like, you, you put it on toast, man. Got to surprised. have a lot of
2: butter too. Let's yeah, be honest, yeah. if you're doing oh. crackers, otherwise, it's a bit of I feel like you're eating powder. that, <laughs> dry wheat things.
1: Jeez, thank God we're not video. Those not that up. But um, yeah. keeping with the oven, Tom Brady. Um, so he's come obviously down to do a bit of a um, commitment at Crown on January 27. So some uh, PR agency decided some blokes are sitting there going, "I'm going to try the hail mary and see what we can get." He got quoted to see Tom Brady courtside between 200 and 300 grand US per hour.
2: That's ridiculous. <laughs> Someone will probably pay it, though. Yeah, I remember around the AFL grand final time, Scotty Pippen, and we all see that anyone who follows the NBL coverage on ESPN has seen that mm-hmm. the, um, I think it's Horace Grant, is it Luke Longley and um, Scotty Pippen coming out to do a tour. Yes. And pretty a no-holds-barred type, that Chicago Bulls story obviously been coming out. Yeah. Um, but he uh scotty pippen was well received both at the afl and nrl grand finals um and this is sort of following suit but geez there's some money some money involved and for you know for him to go to an event which you'd suspect if he's doing a promotion he's probably want to go to the australian open he's never probably been to it before um but to get your your pockets lined not sure uh, who's going to pay that but maybe someone is someone wants to entertain it and that obviously get a plug, but are you going to get value for two to three hundred thousand US dollars worth in value? Because this is a bloke. Let's be honest. This is a bloke, and we'll touch on sports analysts soon. He starts in the fall, so the the end of sort of our um, what's the fall? That's spring. Our time. I think so yeah. Um, so he starts his ten year Fox uh, as a sports analyst for the NFL. He's on thirty five million US a year, fifty million Aussie, ten year deal. So he's not short of a quid, Tom Brady.
1: I don't know what you do with that sort of money, but Spend it. You'd have a oh, crack. Oh, you'd absolutely. You'd spend yeah. it on some dumb shit. Yeah, so Speaking true. of a bloke who could probably afford it, Rafael Nadal is reportedly signed as a tennis ambassador for Saudi Arabia, so he's planning to build an academy in the country, so another athlete going to uh, Saudi Arabia in some sort of capacity.
2: Yeah, well, there's two ways to look at this. You mm. know, and in a world, and we talk about social media before, what's great and whether Vegemite gets coverage or, you know, Collingwood didn't <laughs> look so good and all this, but I thought it's interesting how hypocritical we are in certain situations. So for me, Rafael Nadal is taking making a significant earn. Right, this is no different to Roger Federer being based in Dubai for many years, um, obviously for tax reasons, but also too for significant endorsements and sponsorships and um, support from their royal family. Um, Nadal has taken the Saudi money. Uh, we've seen a bit later in this podcast talking about um, soccer players, and you know Ronaldo scored the most goals of anyone in the year. Uh, Playing out of the Saudi league. People say they're sellouts. Some are working, some aren't working. But I do pose the question, and I did see this on social media, which I thought was really interesting. If it was Novak Djokovic, how would this be received?
1: Mm, not where, not very well, is it? No, different.
0: Be,
2: yeah, and and, you know, and I think oh, I really like Djokovic. He stands for what he believes. So I'm a believer in free speech, whether it's, yeah, you know, and when some people had this debate with me on social media during the week, I said, well, yeah, well, you know, and this is all around, um, Dana White's comments of some of his fighters have said some, you know, homophobic things, which, you know, I don't agree with. But the reality is we should be in a situation where people have free opportunities and free speech, and then you're judged by potentially what you've said. So, you know, a little bit of live by the sword, die by the sword, so to speak. So, yeah, you know, I'd suggest that if this was um Djokovic taking out the Saudi money, then it'd be a lot more negative story in light of his so-called polarising opinions or confronting opinions um, than other people have. But Nadal clearly signed on, clearly towards the end of his career, Missed his open with a crook knee. So, um, you know, if the, people, the, the young kids of Saudi Arabia are able to take up a tennis and make a tennis career and they get some talent out of that, then it's a winner. But if it's just a cash grab, then it's probably, you know, not going to – I think anything – You the key bit for me in sport is um, you've got to give back. And if you're in a position to give back, whether it's publicly in the media and or be an ambassador, you're only one brick in the wall. And this is the bit that I get. Nadal, unbelievable player. Roger Federer, unbelievable player. Nadal, unbelievable player. Boris Becker and Leighton Hewitt. But there's still only one brick in the wall because the game is bigger than individual. So uh, I like the fact that he's giving back. But if it's just a cash grab, then people are just going to see through it.
1: Yeah, there was a bit of a poll on social media that said uh, "Is." Uh, Rafa a sellout and 81 percent of people voted yes so it's a bit interesting to see how people
2: yeah and this is the thing we can sit there and click and go yeah first thought would be probably yeah he's cashed in he's sold out but the other side is well okay involving in this deal imagine if we got total transparency from the business of sport as we talk about on the big deal is he's going to provide this many days he's going to move there he's going to run tennis coaching for individuals he's going to work with people he's going to coach them uh, he's going to work with Saudi brands and sponsorship brands about getting their merchandise as opposed to, you know, he's probably a Nike based athlete already. I'm not 100% sure of his sponsorship status, but how much he's going to give back to the people. You hmm. know what I mean? But, or you've had these in the situations in the past Qatar World Cup where David Beckham becomes an ambassador for, pick a figure, 20 million.
1: Yeah.
2: But all it is is a smile with the dignitaries. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, are you running academies? You know, Andre he was a classic back in the day. He's still and even LeBron James, they've both had schools where uh, underprivileged kids have actually got through school and finished schooling off the back of their funding and their schooling that, you know, Andre Agassi did it, I think, 20 years ago. So they've had kids who've just gone into this school, weren't able to afford much, get fed, get put through school thanks to their foundations. Well, that's a positive. So there's a lot to talk about in this sphere, and I'd love to know more detail that's probably going to be revealed.
1: 100%. Uh, we move on to the A League and it's been a bit of a full on week for the A League and the APL. So Canberra's men bid for the A League, it's rumoured that it was gonna be announced this week because yeah. obviously they have the um, in the A League women's competition, Canberra United. Um, there are concerns whether it should happen considering um, the APL this week laid off around fifty percent of its workforce and the keep up platform, which was its own media platform, sort of has blown up. Um so yeah, I was wondering if it's gonna happen or not. Um, it was set to expand next season by both Auckland and Canberra United, Auckland billionaire back. So, yeah, it's a bit of an interesting situation, but it always seems to find itself in this situation in Australian football. And how does it fix itself?
2: Well, and this is the bit, it, it's like anything, It's it, it's got to be grassroots. Soccer has a wonderful following grassroots. They've got to work out how they can engineer grassroots players to stay in the A-League and, you know, Uh, Irokunda, who's playing for Adelaide, has signed for Bayern Munich. Obviously, he's going to leave the shores at the end of the season. Um, We've seen other players, Craig Goodwin, go. You'd love to have them buy in 24-7, but we're a feeder league and effectively a post-Europe league too. So if you want to come home afterwards for lifestyle-wise, that's the opportunity. So A-League's a great product, Um, but it needs bums on seats. It needs a TV deal that complements it. I must admit, I don't watch anywhere near as much A-League after they left Foxtel because Foxtel... I've got Foxtel at home. I could watch A-League. I could watch Premier League. They left many years ago, go to Optus Sport. Um, you can watch AFL. You can watch cricket. You can watch basketball on ESPN. So I think that's probably hurt them a little bit. It was amazing, isn't it? When the A-League sort of boosted off many years ago, 20 years ago roundabouts, um, Perth Glory was an absolute powerhouse. I remember Damien Mori went and, and played there. It's the Adelaide United Socceroos legend. Um, now they find themselves with some ownership issues. Obviously, Um licences, the Newcastle Jets are being funded by head office. So this is the challenge. Um, and no doubt there's confidence in Canberra. A lot of that would potentially come from some government funding in Canberra. Oh, I'd love to see Canberra. Now, Canberra Cannons back in the day in the NBL was really mm. successful. Phil Smythe, they won titles. Um, Canberra Capitals with the the WNBL. Um, Canberra Raiders have been quite successful over the journey. And going back to championships-wise, it's, you know, Laurie Daly, Malmeninga back in the, the early 90s. But... I think if the um, the organisation can fund it and it can and it wash its own back in terms of some revenue from you know from from federal and state governments and also the the people of Canberra get behind it, then then nothing wrong with it with it growing. Um, and I think the more licence you got to be better, but they also got to be in the situation that you don't get too big too soon. And when you got some challenges with both Newcastle and Perth, maybe do you look at potentially moving the Newcastle licence? I, I don't know. So hmm. I, I think the key bit is, and I've always had this thought with the AFL, and that's a different beast a little bit, and, and like the NRL, they're able to create new licences because their TV deal is so colossal. Yeah. So whilst those um, brands, both AFL and NRL, were going through the roof, and we're also seeing the challenges that Rugby Union's been facing too. NBL's got its niche. It, it knows its niche. It's good timing, good scheduling in and around cricket. Cricket's been strong. But there is a game almost sort of Thursday to Sunday, Constantly, and, and I think that's where you got to pitch your market, know your market, and then also play an attractive product for TV.
1: Yeah, and I think the interesting point that you said about being Fox Sports—it was a staple for most Australian football fans to go watch the A League. That was A League Arvo on a Saturday night, into them watching Robbie Slater, Adam Peacock, and Mark Bosnich on Premier yep. League coverage. All yep. that sort of filtered in.
2: Yeah, and what about the Monday night highlight show for an hour? I think it was six till seven, and I'm going back probably. 15, 20 years. Mm. Martin Tyler did the highlights package. So if you didn't see all the games, wow, you got the highlights. The big games were featured a bit more than you showed the goals. That sort of stuff makes it attractive. Um, Clearly, that's not going to get on free to air because, I don't know, not that on air, but the old My Kitchen Rules juggernaut versus the uh, Married at First Sight juggernaut has got more eyeballs and makes more money. So that's the challenge you got to be. You got to be, you got to be a, You've got to be willing and, and challenging to do different things. Yeah, uh, And I think that's the issue is. But as we said, the the APL has got some challenges. Three years ago, they took control of the A-League from Footy Australia. And now reportedly, you know, they've axed around 50% of its workforce. So making roughly 40 of its staff redundant. That helps financially in terms of exposure and making profits and, and all that. But that's 40 people not working for the best interest of the game. So that is a big issue just to protect a a balance sheet. And obviously that's done to keep them alive.
1: You keep on camera as well. Cricket, ACT, they're making a push to enter teams of the men's and women's big bash league.
2: Well, I like this Mm. and it's the same theory around a league expansion. I think if you can expand and make it bigger and better then that's great. Um, yeah, there was actually a Canberra one day team many years ago. I reckon Mike letter played from this is probably when you were maybe even born. So, this is how long ago it was. Um, it went into the one day comp when there was no 2020. But, mm. you know, you look at um, Sydney play some games there. It's always well received. We see AFL games there. It used to be with North Melbourne. I remember playing back in the day. And then um, more recently, GWS playing there. It's really, really well supported. Um, but, yeah, if you're able to get a uh, cricket ACT push for a team. I think it adds. I think Cricket Australia's done really well in listening to the fans. They played too many games in the previous BBL license um, and TV deal. They've cut that back now. I think it's eight games each. Um, we're seeing a really interesting finals period. Apart from if you're Adelaide last night, um, but the fact that the top team and reigning premiers for the previous two years, Championship holders of Perth, were beaten by Adelaide about five days ago, that says to you it's alive and well. So I, I think. Monica Oval would be a perfect spot to host. And the weather is quite mild. It's not You're not generally going to get your 40-degree scorching that you're going to get everywhere else. And, yeah, that brings us to the next point. And around BBL uncontracted players, Stark, Cummins, Steve Smith on the market. There's 51 players uh, yet to put pen uh, to paper on BBL um, 14. Other names, Alex Carey, Travis Head, Manus Labashane, all those guys, current test players, So there's always the restriction around those guys, how much they're going to be available for. Dave Warner's the name outside of that. Obviously, he's retired from Test Cricket. So his bounty on his head gets even bigger. But also heard a discussion last night in the big grass coverage is the Dubai League, which generally has a crossover and where Australian players have had to leave ahead of finals. Chris Lynn a couple of years ago for Adelaide. I think they need to coordinate these leagues all around the world. Clearly, no one competes with the IPL, but everyone moves around the IPL. I think if you've got England, you've got Australia, you've got the Pakistan, you've got the um, Dubai League. I think the more you can work together, the better it'll be for the sake of uh, twenty twenty big bash cricket all year round. Yeah, you know, we've seen New Zealand playing currently. It's not going to get the traction while Australia's playing, so it needs to be niches and to to work with each other. But yeah, Davy Warner will be up for a massive payday as he's effectively a gun for hire. Um, Whereas he's not being dictated to like all those names Smith, Stark, Cummins, Carey, Head, Lavishane, who are in the test team, who have to do that as a priority.
1: Yeah, obviously it's run during the school holidays, but would you start it earlier just to make sure you have that star factor for the finals?
2: Yeah, I think that has to be the case. Um, yeah, and and, and there's also, too, we took it at the recent test match in Adelaide, how you know, they got mm. pretty good crowds considering only the last two and a half days. Um, and the Premier, Peter Malinowskis, has sort of teed off on Cricket Australia, but mm. obviously. Australia, uh, South Australia for the second year in a row, who's got the lowly ranked West Indies, it's finished in two and a half days. The Adelaide test, the South Australian people rock up, rain, hail or shine. Even, I think yep. they had 25,000 or something ridiculous on a day where they only expected to play an hour of play. Um, but th- pretty much the excuse that was given was the fact that, oh, we have to get big bash games in. Um, so that's why Adelaide, who has historically taken the leap of faith on pink ball cricket, made it its own has now missed out on the pink ball game because, uh, and had a time zone where it, uh, a location where it used to be pre-Christmas, mm. um, the last test before Christmas, after the Gabba, is now finds itself the second last test. Um, and the Gabba gets the pink ball game simply because they had to play A-League, uh, sorry, of A-League, they had to play Big Bash games at night to get the numbers up. Well, wh- why wouldn't you do Big Bash during the day?
1: Mm.
2: The argument is, pulls bigger numbers than it does uh, test cricket.
1: Yeah, it's always a nice balancing act with all the different um, styles of cricket, isn't it?
2: Absolutely. And all the government's pitch for these times and pay good money for it too. So you can't expect the old government infrastructure to keep on delivering if you're going to deliver second-rate fixtures um, to states that are outside. Let's face it, if you're Melbourne and Sydney, you dictate what you want. Outside that, everyone is big, borrowed and stealing and jostling for position.
1: Mm. We go to the world of soccer traders, back to the world of soccer, but international. So so Jim Ratcliffe, obviously we've spoken about before, owning part of Manchester United, taking control and all that sort of stuff. He can be forced to sell that stake in 18 months because of a tender document revealed a number of rules on the future sale of Manchester United. So there we go with these. The Glazer family are not allowed to either solicit or even encourage any new offers for the first year after the tender is completed on February 13. However, yeah. once that first 18-month period has passed... The Glazers can sell the club outright, which would force Rackley's company to sell up every share they have to a new buyer. But it, so he'd get his money Wow, back. but he
2: doesn't even have a, a clause in there to say, we can negotiate exclusively first by the sound of it.
1: Yeah, so it's uh, a bit interesting to see what could happen there. If they, but the Glazers have been rumoured to be selling for nearly two decades. So
2: Yeah, But and, and under this new deal, he's 25% over but runs all operations. So we've already seen that they've um, willed the axe. Um, yeah, he's brought in the Manchester City um,
0: yeah, uh, executive. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. So th- this is a really interesting way, as we said. that uh, a I think his name is. Um, is doing the reverse, Carlos Tevez. So uh, Tevez obviously <laughs> went from United as a player to City as a player. So he's the new CEO. Um, he's effectively, you know, was effectively chief operating officer for City's Footy Group, and will step away from that role to be the Red Devil CEO. This is obviously Ineos, who is uh, Ractlis' business, is effectively he's running the show now, and he's a highly regarded uh, executive. Worked at City since 2011, um, largely credited for a lot of the success from the club, and have seen. Um, you know, the question remains: Is there's 115 charges at City? is potentially going to face the financial fair play. So some people are questioning whether he jumped beforehand, but obviously this is a bigger and better role. And uh, as they say, divide and conquer. If you're up against the juggernaut, which Manchester United was at for a long, long period of time, City's doing that on the field. So he's looking to divide and conquer as much as he can and go and get in the right person. But yeah, interesting that the world of big billionaires is uh, the one that doesn't always make sense. We've seen it from uh, many clubs beyond time and, even to a stage that the Saudi money we touched on earlier with Rafa Nadal was now face Jordan Henderson. He walked yeah. out, right, on a £170,000 a week deal as Liverpool captain, one year yeah. to go. He took up an offer for uh, £700,000 a week. Gee, this um, uh, was it? No, nah, it was actually whatever. it was. 30, sorry, take that back. Uh, his deal was then £30 million uh, pounds to play right, per annum,
1: jeez.
2: Uh, on a deal for Saudi Arabia. He's not enjoying life under Stephen Gerrard at the club. They're struggling, and they're not necessarily Gerrard as a manager, but it was more the fact of um, no crowds. performance, no crowds, hot weather. So he's, he's turned up at what is believed to be about a better £600,000 a week contract. And now he's gone back and and signed with Dutch Giants Ajax on a two-year deal as their highest-paid player on £90,000 a week. So he's effectively almost halved his salary from Liverpool days. And, yeah.
1: there some Things you do for happiness. Yeah, there was some rumours suggesting that he deliberately didn't go back to the UK so he didn't have to pay tax on um, his uh, earnings from Saudi Arabia. And also,
2: too, Jack, there's also a bit more information at times. And this is all, you know... Uh, English journalist probably got on the mark but without knowing exact deal is that uh, the reason why they were happy not happy but willing to facilitate a deal is I think he walked away a lot of it from the unpaid wages that he'd been offered right yeah so it's easy to say once you're willing to go without and be reasonable then he's not short of cash and he's walked away from his deal so it's not like he's still saying yes I still want to be paid my remuneration like a lot of people do when they want to exercise and out Mm. but yeah uh interesting his preferred number of number 14 has been retired um yeah, but Mark yeah Reus yeah it, so he did many moons ago said. so yeah so we might have to put a, a zero on the end and go 140 maybe who knows but yeah the challenges are, are there and uh for everyone to see in terms of professional sport a, a lot of people have gone and cashed in on the saudi money lifestyle is very different alcohol consumption there's laws against that you know out of wedlock relationships, it's, it's 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 a different world, and these are some of the these are the things that um, some of these players. Uh, I even saw one player was looking at cashing in on a deal, but they weren't allowed to have bull terrier type dogs, so he had to leave his dog behind many moons oh, ago. Geez. So it it has changed a lot, and yeah. um, as we see around the the world of professional sport, it, it's a forever changing beast, and nothing surprises us. If we would have said the Saudis would take over, effectively take on the USPGA five years ago and now coach Ronaldo um, from Manchester United, we would have thought the world's gone nuts.
1: Yeah, but well, it has gone nuts in certain ways, but unfortunately it remains nuts in other ways. Um, AC Milan's French goalkeeper, Mike Manyan um, was subjected to racial chance during the club's three, two win over Udinese. So the referee had stopped play. Um, and Maniad had stormed down a tunnel with teammates. and The game was temporarily abandoned. So it's not the first time he's copped it. And it's definitely not the last time this is going to happen in Italy. It's happening more and more frequently. And it's just shit house, quite frankly.
2: Yeah, it's poor. Um, and this is the bit. I'm not sure what the fix is. Will you ban for life? Well, yeah, you can go ahead and do that. Um, historically misbehaving crowds in Italy particularly... Will play in front of the teams. Will play in front of an empty stadium. They'll be locked out yep. for two or three games. But then that means they just hang outside the stadium and sometimes fa- fight and have hooligan uh, issues out out in the street. So mm. yeah, this is a um, this has been an issue for many many years for Serie A, and it's not just the Serie A. You know, and you know, obviously the racial stuff has has caught out um, mm. some players. You know, many years ago, I reckon some players at Real Madrid were. You know, being, called, being called ridiculous things like monkeys and this sort of stuff. It's just disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and no, there's no place for it in the world of sport. But sadly, 90%, 99% of people do great things. It's just the, the 1% of stupidity has come at it and cost everyone.
1: It always happens like that. And people just need to pull their heads in. The Detroit Lions, before their win over the LA, LA Rams, they had gone 30 years without a playoff victory or a home playoff game. Also, in that time, eleven different head coaches, six general managers, and a zero and sixteen campaign in two thousand and
2: eight. And that's ridiculous.
1: I couldn't imagine being that as a sports fan.
2: Ma- imagine the didn't. confidence being zero and thirty heading into the playoffs as a fan.
1: Oh. You're like,
2: oh, yeah, we buy tickets. we will probably lose again, and then probably people have gone, nah, I've had enough. I'm not doing this anymore. And then they've missed it.
1: Three decades, like that's more than that's older than I am like imagine my whole life not having really seen a player that, that's a worse model.
2: than Essendon winning a final when's their last that's harsh isn't it yeah, two harsh. weeks
1: before you won your flag was yeah. the last time they won a final but I couldn't imagine that I could not imagine that but like they're going well they beat the Buccaneers um, the other and day tickets and tickets have gone through the roof yeah 1200 a pop Um, the average resale price is so it's good in a in a place that has had trouble for a long time that is really good news
2: Yeah, that's great news. Um, Also, too, if you're Stephen A. Smith, he's in demand.
1: Yeah, geez. He's
2: one of the hardest working media talent across America. Um, And obviously, his deal, his reported 12 million year contract is up in 18 months. You know, he's made it clear, which is very much um, Stephen A. Smith-like, where he doesn't hold anything back, Mm. um, that he wants to be ESPN's highest paid talent. Well, as we know, currently he's been leapfrogged by Troy Aikman 18 million, Joe Buck 15 million and Pat McAfee uh 15 million and he does a podcast. So how's that? No wonder he wants the cash, but as we're also seeing with the uh, ESPN, they cut a significant amount of their staff. I think it was reported that 7,000 staff they had mm. uh was cut to 3,000 lost their jobs. So Financially, uh, obviously, um, ESPN owned by Disney—they're not going to want to lose him. But it's probably not the time to be coming out of contract, third because um, well, some people have gone crazy, and there is a thirst to spend big money on broadcasting, because as we've seen, um, Tom Brady starts his thirty-five million-dollar ten-year deal uh, in the fall, uh, which is fifty million US, uh, sorry, fifty million Aussie dollars for the next ten years to commentate, you know, NFL games. It's only a sixteen-round season, so. There is the cash there, but it also is an interesting market considering ESPN has, has made significant changes to their cost cost structure and staff in particular. But no doubt he'll get well paid. He's a pretty good performer, whether you like his opinion or not.
1: Yeah, he's the face that sort of runs the place. and uh, Stephen A. Smith, that's for sure. Speaking of the face that runs the place, Tiger Woods, he's moving on really quick from Nike by the looks of it.
2: Yeah, well, he had to. His contract was up. And as we've seen, um, we never thought we'd see the day where Tiger would lead Nike. Obviously, that changed a lot. Nike were doing clubs. They were partnered with TaylorMade. He then going back to wearing TaylorMade, uh, using TaylorMade clubs whilst doing Nike, um, uh, obviously, merchandise. He was wearing their clothing. Mm -hmm. So, front office sports is reporting recently uncovered trademark uh, filings from TaylorMade's Lifestyle Ventures, LLC, uh, hint to a potential new brand involving the, uh, the golfing legend. So, we know that, when tennis, it was Roger Federer and Nike, RF, Roger Federer. We know Jordan, Jordan and Nike. We know TW, Tiger Woods, all the branding that was on there is effectively its own brand with Nike in partnership with him. It's uh, I, I suspect that uh, the applications to the United States patent and trademark show that Taylor Made is seeking to trademark let's say Sunday Red and an image of a tiger. So don't be surprised that that comes out pretty soon, that Tiger Woods has sort of got a new sort of lifestyle brand. Um, and you know, it probably fits because uh, Taylor made it, as we know, is golf. They're one yeah. of a golfing brand. You know, I've seen Adidas even sign some young gun superstar players out of college. So they're continuing on in golf, but Nike looks like it's heading in a different direction too. So if he can roll on to another um, golfing brand for him to sort of see out his, his days, but also been pretty much still involved in the game from a uh, clothing aspect, it probably makes sense for him.
1: Yeah, and he still owns the TW brand too, so that's Kind of nice for him.
2: Always <laughs> pretty good.
1: And the last one we have, Sports Illustrated. Hell yeah, this is this is sad. So Authentic Brands Group has reportedly revoked Sports Illustrated license to publish due to a mispayment. So all staff for the publication were told on Friday their jobs were cut. So wow. in a statement provided to the publication deadline, Authentic Brands said it had given the arena group a chance to come up with payment. Um yeah. So some workers were terminated immediately. Others continue working on the 90 day notice period, which is law over there. So, how crazy is that?
0: Grew
2: up with Sports Illustrated. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that was, all, yeah, yeah. For maybe some younger audience who might be listening to this podcast, pre mobile phones where you couldn't get everything on them. Mm. You know what I mean? Pre actually having a mobile phone that actually could call people on. You, how many hours do you spend in the local um, news agent looking at the latest Inside Sport uh, slash um, Sports Illustrated? Uh, back in the day, if you're a footy head, Inside Footy magazines, th- these yep. types of things were the the make or break um, for sporting brand coverage. Um, and as we've seen here, this is yeah, it's pretty disappointing that that's happened. But it it also is a situation where. It's probably reportedly revoked license due to a mispayment, but it's also a sign of the times a little bit, whereas the the days of magazines are gone, you know what I mean, are, are, are moving on. You can get things online. You can get them on iPads. You know, the, the way people take in their content is seriously different. You know, when I was growing up and it was news at 6 o'clock, it was drive radio if you wanted to listen to a little bit of sport and a bit of breakfast radio, um, and then you had the newspaper. Now everything's live, it's online, it's on your fingertips, there's podcasting, there's music, there's Spotify, there's apps, there's there's all sorts of fragmented media. And, and in saying that, I think it has improved the coverage, but it's also saturated the market and it's harder to make a dollar.
1: 100%. And yeah, I'm, like you mentioned about the inside footy mag, I'm pretty sure I remember one with a team audios of yours, Chad Corns on there with the front of us saying, Chad Corns tells Crows fans to get a life.
2: Yeah, that didn't work so well, did it? Did we lose okay. or win? Is that it? And he also said one many years ago. He said uh, the dream final to cake on Adelaide. It was after we won the flag in 2005. We'd, oh,
1: yeah, the super and got final.
2: Pu- absolutely got pummeled. Dream final. That one yep. came back and bite us. But as they say, that sport.
1: Yep, that was the last time I left the game early. So I think. Um, at
2: least yep. you could. I was still out there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sensational. Well, that's all from us this week, so like, subscribe, comment, all that sort of jazz, and we'll um, see you next week.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Big Deal. Before you go... Don't forget to join our community by subscribing for free at www.thebigdeal.au and get a weekly email bringing together the hottest sports deals, breaking sports biz news, as it happens, and much more. Join me at www.thebigdeal.au.